Morning. There we go. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Greg Pruitt, and uh, I am uh, an elder at Fellowship, um, and I am speaking today. So maybe a surprise for some. We didn't want you walking out the door and leaving. So, um, but uh, what, an, what is an elder? Uh, there are nine elders at uh, Fellowship. This is uh, Fellowship uh, Highcrest. This is Fellowship Yurch. We have two campuses. Uh, an elder, we, uh, of those nine elders, two of them are pastors and the other seven are volunteers. I'm one of those seven volunteer lay leaders. And uh, what we do is I got a day job like most of you here, and I go to that day job, but then in the evenings and then sometimes on weekends I give time and energy to what God's doing at uh, Fellowship. So uh, Pastor Jonathan, when he was going through this series a while back, saying, Greg, would you be willing to speak? Um, on uh, straighten, straighten, straightening them out and discipline as what relates to children, uh, I said, uh, sure. And uh, I said, I'll preach. And so what, you, what you don't, many of you don't realize, my children realize, is that the last time I preached was about eight, no, 18 and a half years ago. So I uh, tried to get rid of the cobwebs and, you know, get rid of some... <laughs> But uh, be patient with me as we move along in the text. So, um, as we begin today, um, I want to share on this topic of, of straightening out your children. And so, what I'd like you to go, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to page 377, because that's where we're going to start with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I listened to Pastor Joe's message last night at the, at the other campus. And he was preaching verses chapter 3, uh, Proverbs, he said Proverbs chapter 3, I thought, oh no, we're preaching on the same thing. And then he said, well, he was going 13 through the end of the chapter, I'm going to deal with the beginning of the chapter as we talk about this issue and challenge of discipline, disciplining children. So as you're here today, you may think, well, how does this really apply to me? Maybe you're single, maybe you don't have kids. Uh, this does apply to all of us, because we're either... Uh, there's parents here. Parents, raise your hands, please. If you would, please. Got parents. Okay, so who's the child here? Who's the child? We should all be raising our hands. Okay, we're, we're all children here. So whether how this applies to whether you're parenting and the, and, and, and the application there or whether I'm a child and I need to apply these things to my life and heart because I need to, to be disciplined and grow as a child, uh, it applies to all of us. So hang with us. So... I wanted to start this morning uh, where I kind of ended uh, 18 plus years ago. Now, jumping into the year and plus in advance of that, so we're dealing with 19, 19 20 years ago. Story, 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 no, Toy Story, there we go, had just come out. Okay, remember Toy Story, original one? Just came out. Uh, Starbucks just developed the Frappuccino. Many of you are very thankful for that. Just, so it's a, we got some little history here, right? So uh, about 20 years ago, when I, when I was a pastor, because I used to be a pastor of a church uh, up in Minnesota, and I had three young children. Two of my children are here today. Uh, my wife can't be here. She says she's sorry. She's in school today over in Kansas City. But uh, I was preaching, and I was facing west, when I was preaching, because the church was set up where it was kind of faced this way, and people walking the backside, and kind of pews on either side. And and as we were preaching, it was nearing the time of Easter. And in that that tradition, in that fellowship, we would say, God is good. I would say, God is the pastor. I would say, God is good. And the congregation would say, he's good 
all the time. And so I was preaching, and I was going, God is good, because we're coming up to Easter, and I'm prepping our people for Easter. And I said, God is good. And they said, and then at that point, I t- in my head, I remember I'm standing there, I'm in my green double-breasted suit, didn't wear it today, okay? <laughs> I'm in my green double-breasted suit, and I'm standing behind the pulpit, and I'm going, and, I, and this, this is the internal monologue in my head, no, he's not. No, he's not. And, I, and as I'm standing there preaching, I'm having this internal monologue of, what in the world, Greg? You know, and I'm thinking this out. And I, and I begin to say, he's not good all the time. And I, but I'm a pastor, and how could I say something like that? And as I began to, and as God began to discipline me through a process, because I am his child, I began to get my theology straight. And God is good all the time. And it was me that had a warped view of what God was doing in my life and the, th- and the decisions I had made. Because at church, things were going really well at the church. Now, it was a smaller church, about 150-ish people, 170 on a good Sunday. And, and uh, things were, we had been there almost at that point, eight years at that church, and things had gone really well. At that church, every year they vote on you, whether they like you as a pastor. Yeah, talk about... Talk about working hard, huh? And so uh, and we, we had 100% votes, and people really wanted us there, and it was very exciting. And things were going really good at the church. Every Sunday, past, walk out of church, good job, Pastor Greg. And people were patting me on the back, and, and things were well at the church. Things were, we were growing, uh, people were getting discipled. It was a really good thing. But when I went home, it was another story. Uh, look back in that time, and my friend Steve Wider, who had talked to me, uh, he says, Greg, when you walk into the room, your wife physically backs up. No, no physical abuse going on, but I was hard to live with. I was demanding. I wanted things a certain way. I had fallen under the illusion that if people like me in the church so well, so well why shouldn't my wife like me so well? Mmm, try and love that, you know. And I was difficult to live with. And it was during that time that God, as I had that internal monologue as I was preaching, that God began to work on my heart and be God. God began to settle, get some things in my heart that weren't right. And the way I was treating Rochelle and the time I wasn't taking with my children. And God wanted to begin to discipline me. And so you get to be the benefactors, benefactors of some of those lessons, okay? They cost something. So I knew what I didn't want, and what I didn't want is what I had. Things well at one place, but not good at the other place. What I wanted was them both good at both places, right? So I knew what I didn't want, but I knew what I wanted. And in my head, I had a picture. I had three young kids at that time. I had a picture of all my kids growing up. And in fact, the picture looks something like this. Now, this is not the picture I saw in my head, but it's a pretty good picture of what was in my head. Okay, so this picture in my head was all I had. The three kids are grown, Rochelle's there. We all take a family picture, and we all like each other. In fact, we all love each other. That's the picture I wanted in my head, and that's the picture I wanted of a family. So I began to evaluate my own heart and ask, well, what does it take to get that kind of family? And for me, it was stepping down from the ministry, going back into the day jobs and start working on my family, moving them to Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, Yeah. (laughs) And getting things straight and putting my family first. 
So in this picture, what's going on, this is Christmas 2016, the Christmas picture that the kids didn't want to take, but that Rochelle wanted to take. And in this picture, you see Zach, my son, who was playing ba- uh, guitar on the far, your far right. And as he, what he, what, so what happened is, if I got this right, is Zach is making a goofy face. Zach's making a goofy face. And Rochelle thinks it's Nora. Rochelle blames Nora. Nora's the blonde one next to Zach, okay? Rochelle blames Nora. Nora goes, hey, not me. And Laurel knows what's going on, and I'm in the middle, oblivious to the whole thing. (laughs) Now, this is the Christmas picture that we had two Christmas pictures. We had a a, a straight one, and then we had this one, because this is what the kids wanted, because we're a family that makes group decisions. We're a family that decides things together, and this is the picture that we had. Yes. Let's go to Proverbs. So we're going to talk about getting a picture of what your family can look like and how to get to that place. Um, so let's go to Proverbs 20, 20, Proverbs chapter 3. And we're just going to read this together. And it's a lot of text. So what I'm asking is to stick with me, because we get about to verse, a verse maybe 6, and you're going to get a little lost, because there's a lot of information here. But we're going to go back, and we're going to break this down. Okay, so... My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and, and your life will be satisfying. Still with me? Never let, you, never, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them, around a, tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. We're through verse 6. Are you still with me? Okay, let's keep going. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing in your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats with overflowing good wine. God will resource you and take care of you. Verse 11, my child, do not reject. And here we go. We're going to land it. Ready? My child, do not reject the Lord's discipline and do not be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those who he, what? Loves. And, he, and just as a father corrects a child in whom he, what? Delights. A lot of stuff there. But let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. I'm going to start a survey. We did a survey in our household uh, over the last two months. Um, uh, pa- Pastor John, you asked me what, about a month and a half, two months ago, two months ago to do this. So I did a survey with our, survey with our kids. And I said, what did mom and dad get right about discipline and what did we get wrong? And so survey says, Nor- Laurel Grace went first. Laurel, Laurel brown hair went on the far left-hand side. She's here this morning. And this is what Laurel said that we got right. I don't, I don't have, I have no idea what animals have to do with discipline, but you got us animals. Okay, maybe cleaning the cat box, I don't know. But okay, open and honest discussions. That's what we got right. Open and honest discussions. The willingness to confront, and I'm going to be up front with you. Number two, I love you and want you to, and she just remembers these words, I love you and want, in, and want you to get better. So as we began to discipline, it wasn't out of shame or, or manipulation, though we weren't always perfect, but it was out of love, and I want you to get better. 
you talked about actions and their effects. With my job, I, I work with people, and you know what? I've got lots of good fodder for the fire, okay? So we talk about actions and their effects. And then lastly, and we're going to come back to this later, I know I could have an open conversation, and you would be receptive. Survey says with Nora. Now, this is odd. Nora, my blonde blue eye, most chatty of all my children, okay? Most chatty. She had one line. You taught us to have open communication. Here's Zachary. He had a lot more to say. Zachary, my oldest, he was playing guitar this morning. And uh, so this is what Zachary had to say. Now, before, I know you're already reading down here ahead of me, but slow up, okay? We did not put leashes on our children. (laughs) Okay? Didn't do it. What Zach is trying to tell you, Zach is trying to tell you is that when they showed responsibility, we extended their leash. But until then, it was held kind of tight. And as they showed responsibility, and then something would happen, guess what would happen? Getting a little closer to mom and dad. Don't like that? Then listen. Love Jesus and love your parents, and then you go. So, so that's what he's saying there. Uh, we learned the value of money. Okay? Learn the value of money. You prioritized us. Again, not sure what it has to do with discipline totally, but you learn how to prioritize us. This is important. Freedom to make mistakes and learn from them. Folks, sometimes I think we can always, we can try to step in for our children and step in for our children, and we need to let them make mistakes. There's a difference between harm and hurt. I don't want to, harming children, if my children walk into a harmful situation, there were, Zach had a friend at one time, wanted to play with him, this kid was, I just didn't want the influence. I didn't want that harm in Zach's life. But there are other things that Zach had to do that, that would hurt him a little bit. Some of the best lessons I've ever learned, the most painful lessons I've ever learned, is, is because of that pain, and I don't, want, I, I, it's like, I don't want to go down that road again. So, we let them make some mistakes. We led by example of money, marriage, faith, and priorities. And this next one, we made family a big deal. It was. Family was a big deal. We didn't say we're the best family, but our family was a big deal. Communication, there's a theme right there. So there's a theme, and we're going to come back to this at the end. A theme, a thread of communication. All of our children got it. All of our children got it. Now, two things he did correct me on, saying, Dad, you had a lot of pressure to be perfect. Okay? A lot of pressure to be perfect. And this is Zach's encouragement to you, all as parents. That can be hard if you're that way with your child. It can be hard to be open. And the next thing he said, we're a little busy. And what he meant, we were busy. They, we kept the kids pretty busy, and we were pretty busy. And so, what, and I did talk, I'm talking for Zach. I know he's right over here to my left, but I'm talking for him because we talked about this. He said, sometimes we were just too busy. And so guess what? Two weeks, uh, Zach got me this uh, about a week ago, and uh, he called me the next couple days inadvertently and said, hey, you want to go to a hockey game? What did I say initially? I'm too busy. And then I, then I remember what he told me. He just told me this. <laughs> guess where I went that night? Hockey game. And we had a good time. I would tell you, folks, it is never too late to change. Today is the day you can change. You may think, I've jacked it up, I've messed it up, it's too late. It is not too late. Because if you ask your children for their advice and ask them where they're at, it is never too late to change. It is never too late to say, I'm going to make a change today. And for me, that change really began about 18 and a half, 
18 and a half years ago when I left the pastorate and I said, I'm going to get family right. I'm going to get family first. And we're going to make a change. And it's been changes every day since then. Continual changes. Okay. My wife wanted to share this with you real quick. Uh, she was, she, this is, come on down, my wife, Rochelle, 28 years old, um, protecting their dignity. She's not 28 years old. Uh, but, but I love her like she's 28 years old. Protecting their dignity amidst discipline goes right into not embarrassing them or humiliating them. And we're going to talk, how do you keep from that? How do you keep from humiliating them and embarrassing them? How do we keep from that? And we took a retreat together, and we agreed on our values. And so, so I, about 19 years ago, I had this epiphany. God begins to deal with my heart that I want to get things right with my children. I knew what I didn't want, but that caused me to teach me what I did want, right? And I wanted to have this picture of my family, of us all together and connecting, right? So out of that, Rochelle and I began to change some things immediately. We went on a retreat together. Just the two of us, we went away for a weekend. We, were, we didn't have a lot of money. We had to pay a donation to be at the place. But we went away, and we began to talk about the values, and it was at that retreat. It was there we began to talk about the importance of what we wanted our children to be like when they were older. It was there we began to agree on the values of of how we're going to raise our children. So let's talk about values. Mission, vision, values, right? Mission, vision is the big, so we talk about vision, mission, values, businesses talk about it. Visions is the big picture, the ideal future, what it could look like. Mission is the day-to-day operations of getting to that vision. Okay, understand vision? Big picture. Understand mission? How we get to the vision, right? Was that me? Okay. (laughs) Values. I tend to move. I won't move as much. Values. Values are how we treat each other along the way. Values are the things that we're agreed. These are the ideals that we're going to treat each other along the way so we can get the mission done and and love each other still, and we can get to that overall vision of where God has us and where he's directing us. So we're going to talk talk a lot about values today. So with that in mind, this is our three areas where we're going to head with the remaining of our time. Heart, a heart for parents. Parents, I want you to get the right heart. If you're here today, you may be a parent someday. So let's examine our hearts. Number two, a heart of a child. We're going to talk about how do you help a how do you grow how do you help grow a heart of a child. Number three, how do you have a values-driven family, not a shame-driven family, not a not a guilt-based driven family, but how do you have a values-driven family? So let's go back to stay, stay right there on page 377. With uh, Proverbs 33, these are, so I, this is how I do my Bible study sometimes. This is just the outcomes. This is how I break this chapter down. All the yellow are the outcomes. These are all the things we want. Okay, so verse 2, you will live many years. Life will be satisfying. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to satisfy? I want a satisfying life. Verse 4, you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Does not anyone here want, and we all want a good reputation, right? It's an outcome of this, cha- of this, of this chapter. Verse 6, he will, show you and ta- he will show you the path to take. Is there anyone here that does not want to know the path to take, right? But it's an outcome. It's an outcome. Another outcome of this chapter is then you will have healing for your, bo- your body and strengthen your bones. Another outcome, your barns, verse 10, your barns will be filled with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. All he's saying there is you will be resourced, you'll be taken care of. Those are all the outcomes. We all want those things, Right? But if we realize there's something that comes, comes ahead of that, and it's a little hard to read here, but these if-then statements, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a condition statement. 
If, if this happens, then this happens. So right before those, there's the, is this, if you do this, in verse 2, then you will find favor of both God and man. So we see these if-then statements that are occurring in here. Verse 6, uh, seek his will and... Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path you take. Verse 8, then you will. Again, these condition, this condition statement. And then lastly, then you will fill your barns with how do we get resource? How do we allow God to resource? Well, then let's talk about the values. Then these are the values of this chapter. The values, the first one, store my commands in your heart. It's a value, it's memorizing, it's putting God's word, not just keeping it here where I walk with it day to day and it's just out here I read it, but I'm taking God's word and I'm putting it in my heart. The value of putting God's word in my heart. Verse three, that's a value. Loyalty and kindness is a value. You want to have a good reputation at work? You want to get, be seen right before God and man? Be loyal and be kind. Those are the values that he's talking about. So too many times we, we, we get the, heart, the cart before the horse and we try and get the, the, out, the, the, uh, the, the outcome of what we want, but we, we don't put the time into the value of making it part of our lives. Verse 5, you want to know what God's path is to take? Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Then he will do what? Show you the path to take. Too many times we want to do it on our own. You want uh, healing in your body, strength for your bones? Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Those are the values to get that. And, and ending up here, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of your produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats overflowing with good wine. I'm going to honor God first with everything. Number 11, the last one, don't reject the Lord's discipline. It's a value. How do we get to that point? So how do we become a value-driven people? Too many times I think we get in the moment and, and, and we get swayed and we get... And, and just think of the moment for, for parents. Just close your eyes for a moment. No one's going to touch you. Close your eyes if you can. And just go back to a time in your mind when you know you jacked it up. When you know you jacked up disciplining your children. It does not take long for me to go there. The last time I jacked up with Zach is he was home. He's, he just moved back home. We're wrestling around the house. And he's a big boy. He's big. He's taller than me. And I was wrestling with him. I lost my temper. I lost my temper. And I pushed him hard. I had to apologize. I, I, wish, I wish so much I could take that back. I can't. It's there. It's done. So how do we get not being reactionary in our discipline, but to become value-driven in our discipline? So let's talk about that. Okay, so uh, some questions for you, Lord. You can write these down, the questions that stand out to you uh, because of time, I'm going to move on. But how does, your heart, how does a heart learn? Have you ever asked yourself, how does a heart learn? More importantly, then who taught your heart? <laughs> who taught your heart? Maybe you didn't make a note and say, hey, thanks for teaching my heart. How did they teach your heart? And lastly, and most importantly, where we're headed today is, how does your child's heart learn? Have you sat down and asked, how does my child learn? How does their heart, what's the language of their heart? What's the language they speak? Do, I can tell you all the languages of my kid's heart. I can tell you how they learn in the world, and I can tell you how they engage the world. I can tell you how they make decisions. I know how my kids make decisions in the world. That's part of their heart. I want to understand that. So when they're making decisions, I can help them as much as I can. 
Good question. How does your child's heart learn? I would ask that for each of your children. So let's talk about the heart. God's most concerned with the heart. We're going to cover three verses quickly here about this. But God's most concerned with the heart. So if you go back to page, and I should have got these before, before sorry, to page four in your Bibles. If you want to go there, page four in your Bibles, then uh, we're talking about the fall. And right here is the fall. This is just right after the fall. Adam and Eve have uh, eaten of the fruit of the, uh, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they have sinned before God, and there is separation between God, Adam, and Eve now. And it says, right, right just after that, next verse is going to be chapter verse 8, then in the cool, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? God is concerned with the heart. Okay, children, think about a time when you've heard the words, where are you? Parents, think about a time when you said, where are you? What's the game? What's the game? Hide and seek. Where are you? Do you think God was ignorant to the fact what Adam Adam and Eve have done? Do you think God was ignorant to the fact where Adam and Eve were? God knows all things. He's omniscient. He's all present. God knows all this. God's going for the heart. Where are you? Because when I play with my kids when they were little, where are you? I knew they were in the closet. Where are you? What am I doing? I'm trying to call them to me. That's what God's doing. He's calling Adam and Eve, calling them to him. Where are you? Come to me. That's God's heart. God has a heart for you to be with him. And that's the same heart we need for our children. Where are you going? Where are you? You want their heart. So how do you understand God is most concerned with the heart? Second verse about the heart. Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 19, page 496 in your Bibles. Ezekiel, don't have to go there. I'll explain the context and what I'm trying to get out here with, this, with, this verse, with these verses. Ezekiel's a prophet. He's like a preacher for the nation. He is in Babylonia, 900-mile trip from Jerusalem, okay? He is in captivity, and so Ezekiel's prophesying to the nation, and he's kind of writing God's heart for the nation. And God speaks to him while he's in Babylon, while he's in captivity, and God's telling his intent. God is disciplining Israel. They sinned, they disobeyed. He took Israel, he moved them to Babylon. Now Ezekiel's writing to, uh, I'm sorry, Judah. He took Judah and moved them to Babylon. Now he's talking to Israel, the other half of that nation, saying, there's going to be discipline. Discipline's coming. But he gives his heart why the discipline come and really what God's going for. And, and so when he says in verse 19, this is what God was going, well, start with verse 18. When the people return to their homelands, they, remove, they will remove every trace of vile image and detestable idols. They were, sin, they were sinning against God. And so God was correcting that behavior in them, and they were in captivity because of it. And he says in verse 19, and this is where he's going, and this is what God wants, and I will give them singleness of heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take away their stony heart, their their stony, stubborn heart, and give them a tender, responsive heart, so they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then I will truly be, they will be my people, and I will be their God. So what's the value? God's trying to get the value of getting to their heart. God wants to remove that stony heart, and it's only God who can do that work because he wants a tender, responsive heart. Don't we all want a tender, responsive heart with the Lord? And don't we all want our children to have tender, responsive hearts to our correction sometimes? God wants the same thing. Lastly, 
And it says uh, in John 3.16, if you go down to verse 16, halfway through, and this is how God loved the world. This is not how God liked the world or God felt sorry for the world or God was going to try and rationalize with the world. What it says is God loved the world. God has a heart and God is concerned about the heart. And folks, we need to be concerned about the heart of our children. And I would say before we get that heart right and going back to my example where I was beginning many years before that, God was trying to deal with my heart. And address the issues of my heart. Why my wife, why I was so difficult to love. And, and, and God changing me so I can love better. And he needs to do the same with each one of us. So, is God asking you today, where are you? Have you been distant from God? Because we're going to deal with our hearts first. Has God been asking you, where are you? And you've been hiding in the trees, thinking he doesn't know. God knows where you're at. But God, it's is, is free will. God, God's not going to force you to love him, but God wants you to be with him. And if God's been asking, where are you? You need to respond to the Lord and come out from the trees and go to your heavenly father. Maybe there's some stoniness in your heart and you don't have a tender, responsive heart. And God needs to remove that from, from you because so, he wants your heart to be tender. Let's pray right now. God, right now we take our hearts to you, God. And if there's any stoniness, God, if there's hardness to you, Lord, or you have been calling any heart here, God, and asking them where, you, where they're at, Lord, may there be responsiveness right now. And right now, in your own way, just respond to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness and run to him. Amen. Okay, so how do you teach a heart? First thing, this fills out the blanks in your, in your uh, handout. You need to know the heart you're talking to. You need to know the heart you're talking to. So how do you know the heart? My child, never forget the things I have taught you. The taught is past tense. He is already involved in the life of the child. You need to know the heart of your children. You need to know their love language. And you need to know how they learn. You need to know how they make decisions. And you need to be involved. So this father's involved because he's already done the teaching. He's already done the things necessary. He's been involved. He's been there. And this is Solomon talking to one of his children. And so we need to be involved. You need to be involved to the point where you know exactly where your kids are at. I've had to go to digital media. When, when uh, texting first came out, I thought, ah, ah texting... It's how I communicate with my kids now. It's how I talk to my kids. How you doing? Love you. Praying for you. I'm communicating on that language with them. So know the heart you're talking to. Second thing, you need to know the values you want. You need to know the values you want. If you have not written down the values, you're going to find yourself in the moment, just in your own flesh, trying to wrap in the will of this child. And it goes to shame and guilt. And it goes to manipulation really quick. If you don't have a value that's guiding you and, and directing you and leading you. Plan to succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise, without wise advice. You want to make a plan of how you're going to do it. That's what Rochelle and I did. We made a plan. These are the values. This is how we're going to raise our kids. And then they became the cornerstones of how we disciplined. And we disciplined our kids all very differently. How do you teach a heart? You emulate the values. And emulate means, it means to, to, to act them out yourself first.
to, 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 to mirror them, to show yourselves, to show those values in them. We wanted open communication. Rochelle and I had open communication in front of our children. When they saw mom, now we didn't get in the knock down, drag out fights, but Rochelle, the, our kids saw Rochelle and I working at our differences. We wanted to show them what it looked like to have healthy conflict. So we, we live this in, in front of, of them. It goes back to what Laurel says. I know, I know I could have an open conversation to be receptive. How do your kids know you're going to listen? Because you listen to them. You need, if, if, if listening is the value, if communication is the value, then you need to practice that value in the things you do day to day to practice the value. What's the value? You begin to live that value. If it's open communication, if it's loyalty, if it's trust, if it's family, if it's communication, whatever that value is, you need to be living that value day to day and writing it out. And it becomes a guide for you. It becomes a beacon. Because in the moment when you want to discipline, and yeah, you just want to go, oh, the value drives you. Open communication, honesty, truthfulness. And then emulate it. Emulate it. I'm sorry. Be practical. Fourth one, be practical. Never let kindness and loyalty leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them as a reminder. So, how do you, pract- how do you be practical in your teachings? Right here is a practical way of we became how we, how we worked with our kids. This is, we call this the growing up test on love. Before they were able to date, they took the test. Zach, how old were you, how old were you when you took this test? What grade? Remember? Sixth grade. Sixth grade, he was hot and heavy on Dayton. Hot and heavy on Dayton. Because all his friends were dating, right? All his friends were dating. And we're like, whoa, you don't need to be dating in sixth grade. You don't need a cell phone to sixth grade. But all his friends were dating. They had little girlfriends. They were walking hand in hand. You don't even know what that means. And so we wanted to help communicate our values to our children. So we made an assessment. Let's read some of the answers. (laughs) Wait, you didn't even pass this thing. No, he passed. This is the first question on the assessment. I'm sorry, the test. It is always best to tell your parents the truth of the matter, even if the truth could get you in trouble. True or false? Yes, see what he answered. He answered true. Always, exclamation point. Now, do you think he knows that? I, sometimes. But I, we wanted to reinforce the value. All this became was a talking point to reinforce the values of what we're trying to emulate in front of our children. When alone with a girl in her house, is it okay to be in her bedroom even if her parents are home? He answered, True. It is false. Okay, I'm telling you all, it's false, all right? (laughs) He'd answered false first. I don't know. Maybe it's a double negative question. I don't know. What are the appropriate ways of expressing feelings for the opposite sex? What does it mean to say, I love you? And an important question on here is, what does it mean to be responsible for the emotions of another person? What are we doing? We're just talking about values. We want to get the values. And, 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 And then, of course... He had to come back to us after reading the book, and then we sat down, we had a little conversation. We knew he was going to date, whether in front of us or behind our backs, he would do it, because he's a child. 
Kids are going to do those things. We just wanted to speak into it before he did it. Be practical in your applications with your children. Nora, and I know I'm going over here. I'm sorry, Pastor Jonathan. We do that here. Okay. <laughs> one, more, one more example, then I'll be done. Nora, 10th and 11th grade year, struggling with friendships, and she's becoming one thing to one set of friends and kind of surfacy, and becoming deep and theological and really God person with her other set of friends. And we saw this duplicity, this kind of double action happening in her life, okay? And so she's going through, she's, she, we see her kind of one thing with one friends, and, 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 and what, what we call that, I call that a veneer. That's what this is right here. This is solid walnut right here, solid walnut that they take and glue on to cardboard or glue on to some type of fake board. And you would think, man, that looks really nice, but it's a veneer. And we thought she was playing with, you're, you're, you're doing veneers, honey. You're putting a mask on. Don't do it. So how do you communicate that to a kid? We had an old, we had an old door behind our house. It was, it was weather-torn, and the veneer was what? What does it do? It peels back, doesn't it? And so we went out, we took her out there and said, Nora, this is veneer. And this is what veneer looks like over time when, when it gets tested. It wrinkles, it goes back, and it's no good. Then we got in the car, and we drove down to the Capitol building. And we walked up the south side of the, of the Capitol building, all those steps, right, on the south side. And we came to that big oak door. Have you ever seen those doors in the Capitol building? Huge oak doors. And I said, Nora, put your hand on that door. That's solid. And that's what we want from your life. We want you to be a solid person. She still remembers that analogy. I asked her, did that help? She says, yeah. That was helpful to see the difference. Be practical in your application of these truths with your kids. Get involved. Get on the ground. Play with them. Get into their world. They are much into physical touch, and that's Nora's love language, physical touch. Put your hand on the door. I know her heart. I know how she learns. I know how she learns. Know your children. Know the values you want to give your children. Emulate those values. Let God work in your heart and discipline you first. And you respond to that discipline so they can see how that works in someone's life up front. And lastly, be practical in the application. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And God, we give to you our hearts first. And God, we thank you that uh, if we're responsive, God, we respond to your discipline We know it's because you love us, Lord. So God, we give you our hearts. They're yours. As your children, we respond to you. And God, all we want is for you to be close to us and we close to you. And truly, we are your people. We are your children. So Lord, we respond to your correction today and we yield to you today and we listen to you today, Lord. And help us do that with our children. In Jesus' name, amen.